The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, August 1st, 2022. The woman in your life will do what she must do To comfort you and calm you down And let you rest now The woman in your life, she can rest so easily She does everything you Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, and engineer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Wow, it's a rainy day in old Sonoma County. And oh, my goodness, my heart goes out to all the folks in Kentucky with all those rains. When I saw the rains coming this morning, I thought, oh, my goodness, I hope it just drizzles. But anyway, it's really a beautiful morning here in Sonoma County, and I have a lot to be grateful for. We all have a lot to be grateful for, and we need to take a moment to just be grateful. Say thank you. Thank you for a beautiful day. Well, I have a very special guest with me this morning. Joining me on the phone will be Sherry Glazer, who is an author and star of several epic one-women plays and the founder of the peace activist group Breast Not Bombs and has been a champion of women's rights for decades. I just love Sherry. I've seen her several times, seen several of her plays, and I'm really excited about we're going to do a uh, an interview. Today we're going to talk about her career and the latest book she wrote with a dear friend of mine, Kim uh, Tripp Smith, who is also a songwriter and a singer. And the book they wrote is called Mama's, I love it, Mama's First Pocket Chictionary, C-H-I-C-K, Chick. Dictionary, taking the dick out of dictionary. I just love it. I mean, they're such creative women, these two women. Well, uh, Sherry is also a tarot reader and will be picking a card for August uh, when women are celebrating 102 years since we got the vote. Many are concerned that we are going backwards and not forwards. And, you know, I'll ask uh, Sherry to pick a tarot card that might give us some insight and maybe some encouragement. Well, I have one an announcement to make. Uh, actually, I have two announcements to make. Though the first one I have is the Peace and Justice Center is having a rise, excuse me, raise the roof festival, benefiting the Peace and Justice Center of Sonoma County. They need a brand new roof. It's going to be happening Saturday, October. August 13th, 2022, from 12 to 8 p.m. at the Monte Rio Amphitheater at 9925 Main Street in Monterio, uh, California. And now I believe they have a 50% a discount on the tickets. You can get tickets are available on evanbright.com. That's E-V-E-N-B-R-I-T-E. Com. And I think it's really important that we support the Peace and Justice Center. I mean, we need <laughs> we need peace and we need justice and we need a center that we can all congregate and meet and they need a new roof. So that's going to be Rise, uh, Raise the Roof Festival. That's going to be happening Saturday, October, uh, August 13th. And also remember, all the information that I give you is on Women's Spaces at www.womenspaces.com. Uh, and also, I'm going to have uh, Shakina Black on next uh, week, and she will be talking about this wonderful, wonderful event. And I, I just think I just think it's amazing how the community has 
come together for certain things. It's 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 very inspiring, especially in today's world. We need to support one another. Uh, another announcement I have is the National Organization for Women, that's now a Sonoma County chapter, will be having their monthly Zoom meeting on Monday, August 15th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Uh, go to nowsonoma.org for all the details. And to celebrate the 102nd uh, anniversary of the 19th Mem- Amendment, which was passed by Congress June 4, 1919, and mat- uh, ratified on August 18, 1920, uh, the amendment granted women the right to vote. Uh, we'll have... Th- uh, now is going to have a special guest presentation. They're proud to announce that uh, Molly Murphy McGregor, one of the co-founders of the National Women's History Alliance, which happened right here in Sonoma County. The alliance, also known as the National Women's History Project, was founded in 1980 in Santa Rosa, California, by Molly Murphy McGregor, Mary Ruth's daughter, Maria Cuevas, Paula Hammett, and Betty Morgan, uh, to broadcast women's historical achievements. Uh, Prior to this event, there was a limited amount of women's history, and uh, Molly McGregor will also be a guest on Women's Spaces on the 22nd of August. And it's really interesting. Molly and I went to Sonoma State together, and I remember when we were walking down the, going to a class, and all of a sudden she was talking about women in art. And I said, women in art? I didn't even know there were women artists. I mean, I think that's very, very interesting when you start thinking about it. And that was all, that was almost 40 years ago. Uh, the uh, History Alliance uh, celebrated uh, 42 years in existence. And until then, until the uh, National History Project came into being, uh, there was very little women's history. And now we have amazing amounts of it. I mean, I just look at some of the books that I'm buying my great-granddaughter, you know, some of the history of women and talking about some of their major achievements. And I believe little girls today and young women today have more encouragement than we've ever had. And as you can tell, on some levels, you know, we are kind of going backwards, or at least these men are trying to push us backwards. But, you know, like they say, we will not go back. We want to go forward. And that's very interesting when you start thinking about it. You start asking asking yourself, you know, the world's overpopulated as it is. You know, I'm thinking of all the people in Kentucky, you know, all the all the people, four little children were killed, you know, and still denying climate change. It's it's mind boggling to me, it really is. Well, as we do every Monday morning, uh, we do a segment called Our History is Our Strength. And on, a, on August 6th, you know, this, that's five days ahead of us. This is August 1st. I can't believe it's August. Wow. Where has this year gone by? I mean, it just feels like it's flying. Anyway, August 6th, 1965. This was a very, very important date. The, ri- the Voting Rights Act outlaws the discriminatory literacy tests that have been used to prevent African Americans from voting. Suffrage is finally fully extended to the African-American women. You know, that's really very interesting when you think about it. During the suffrage, when when we were working so hard to get the vote, it felt like the African-American women were kind of put under the bus. And it's amazing that in 1965, they finally came up with this voting rights bill that included all women of color. And... 
You know, the, writing, the Voting Rights Act of 1965 was a landmark piece of federal legislation in the United States that prohibits racial discrimination in voting. It was signed into law by President Lyndon B. Johnson during the height of the Civil Rights Movement on August 6, 1965, and Congress later amended the act five times to expand its protections. And just this year just year, the Supreme Court voted to deny some of those protections. I have the, uh, the legislation was designed to enforce the voting rights guaranteed by the 14th and 15th Amendments to the United States Constitution. The act sought to secure the right to vote for racial minorities throughout the country, especially in the South. You know, sometimes I think the South has a, has a hard time recognizing that they are part of the United States. And according to the U.S. Department of Justice, the act is considered to be the most effective piece of federal civil rights legislation ever enacted in the country. It is also one of the most far-reaching pieces of civil rights legislation in U.S. history. An amazing piece of a legislation that has been kind of watered down and that's why we're having all these issues around voting rights and you know all of a sudden where can you find your place to vote you know the argument against you know mail-in ballots versus going to the polls I mean on and on it goes we're here in 1965 we put a law in place that protected us all and here we turn around and we end up kind of gutting it you know, it's really, it's really shameful. It really is when you start thinking about it. And here we're having an election coming up in 100 days. And all, already there's already conversations about different ways and different things, and obstacles that people are going to have to overcome. But one thing about the United States and one thing about the people in the United States is when it comes to challenges, we tend to rally. I mean, we just, during a pandemic, we were able to uh, elect a new president and bring all kinds of legislation in. And now when we're coming up in November, we're going to have another round of voting. It's going to take a little bit of effort. But the most important thing is to take that effort because we live in a country that we can vote. You know, there are still countries where people are dying to get the vote. Or there's still countries where there's so much problems with it that sometimes they just they say, okay, we're going to stop the election. You know, we are very blessed in this country. And we are also very blessed that we were able to put in a new president this round in, in 2020. I mean, we just had a... We just had a, a a horrible, horrible thing happened at the Capitol, you know, and it's still going on with the uh, the January 6th meeting. And people need to start paying attention to that really close and ask ourselves, who are we as a people? What kind of country do we want? Do we want a fascist dictator or do we want to continue with our democracy? And we have to keep improving it. You know, democracy and freedom and all those wonderful ideas are still in the in the works. They're still quite not there. You know, you still have the fight. You still have the the people that want to control things. And we just we the people we have the right to vote, and it's very important. And it's very important to understand what this legislation was all about. Well, another thing happened today is August first. And happy birthday to Beatrice Medicine. Uh, she uh, was born April, uh, excuse me, August 1st, 1923, and she made her transition in 2006. Beatrice Medicine, Standing Rock Sioux anthropologist, focused on the roles of Lakota women in 
in uh, changes facing their cultures in areas including bilingual education, alcohol and drug use, abuse, socialization of children, and identity needs. Then she was also the author of Learning to Be an Anthropologist and Remaining Native. Amazing, amazing women. Here, happy birthday, Beatrice Medicine. Well, I like that name, Beatrice Medicine. That's beautiful. And then August 3rd, 1905, and she made her uh, transition in 1995. Happy birthday to Maggie Kuhn, senior rights activist and founder of the Grey Panthers. You know, really interesting. When you do these birthdays, all of a sudden you start finding out about all these different organizations. Well, the Grey Panthers are a series of multi-generational social advocacy networks in the United States which confront ageism and any other social justice issues. The organization was formed by Maggie Kuhn in response to her forced retirement from the Presbyterian Church at the, at the age of 65 in 1970. The Gray Panthers are named in reference to the Black Panthers. Very, very interesting, you know, very, very, all these wonderful, wonderful things that are happening, all these birthdays, all these women, we are standing on the shoulders of so many great women. In fact, the second, uh, during the second break, I'm going to play the song, uh, Standing on the Shoulders. But you know, Ken, we're going to take an early musical break here, and the song I'm going to be playing is Keep a Song in Your Soul, sung by Mammy Rap. I just love this song. You know, this song feels right to me. Why? Because when we return, joining me on the phone will be Sherry Glazer, who's an author and star of several epic One Women Plays and is the founder and of the peace activist group Breast Not Bombed and has been a champion of women's rights for decades. And we're going to be talking about, this is so much fun, I can't wait. She is, Sherry Glazer to me is one of the funniest women that I know. I mean, whenever I get discouraged or I feel, you know, I feel a little bit down, I just think of her, some of her plays that I've seen, and I just have a good laugh to myself. And every once in a while, we share a phone conversation. It was so interesting. Her mother and my great-granddaughter were both born on September 6th, and we shared that. We share that in common. So uh, Cherry will be joining on the phone, and we're going to be talking about her book. I love this book. It's called Chick. Tenary, that's C-H-I-C-K, Tenary, and it's taking the dick out of dictionary, a bridge to the feminine paradigm, and it's, a, it's, it's a, a small little book, and it's amazing because she has all these different words that they do. They're, it's like uh, they're, they're doing different definitions of words and looking at it in a more, uh, a more feminism way of looking at some of these words that we're going to be talking about in some of the concepts. So let's go ahead and let's play. Uh, we're going to play Keep a Song in Your Soul by Sandy Rapp, and when we come back, we'll be talking. Almost by Marnie, Marnie, uh, Marnie Smith. Oh, I'm sorry. By Marnie Smith. Keep us keep a song in your soul. Let's go. <laughs> of a side Sides don't make a hit Never help a bit There's a good reason why Here's a recipe It will suit you to a tea 
When the sun is out of sight Even though you miss the light Just to keep things going right Keep the song in your soul When the dark clouds gather round That's no time to wear a frown And your castle tumbles down Keep the song in your soul If you take heed to my story song in your soul boy I'll tell you something that's one thing I know that's going to happen with this interview with Sherry Glazer is just going to make us happy and singing and just feeling good about life for you just joining in I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station its board of directors its members and women's spaces well, welcome, Black. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. Joining me on the phone is author, actress, and playwright, Sherry Glazer. Welcome, Sherry. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Thank you for having me, and happy Lunasad to everybody. <laughs> God, this is just wonderful. Just hearing your voice, I am so excited. Before we start, do you mind if I tell my folks just a little bit about you? Please do. Sherry Glazer is not only a good friend, is author and star of epic of many epic one women shows, uh, Family Secrets, Taking the High Road, and one one of my favorites, Oh My Goddess. She is the founder of the peace activist group Breasts Not Bombs. In fact, that's when I first got uh, began to find out about uh, Sherry when I saw her hitchhiking <laughs> with her breasts exposed, but with the sign Breasts. Uh, not bombs, and she's been a champion of women's rights for decades. She is author of her memoir, Family Secrets, and a collaboration with her mother, The First Practical Handbook for Crazy People. Uh, uh, Sherry, what was your mom's name? 
Shelley. Shelley. And they, you wrote this book called the, the Practical Handbook for Crazy People, and is mm-hmm. as well as being featured in five anthologies. She lives on the Mendocino Coast with her wolfy dog, Zena, and reads tarot cards for clients in person or Zoom. Uh, Cherry, anything else you would like to add to that? Uh, well, I'm a mother. I have two beautiful grown daughters. And they're my pride and joy, and one of them lives in Abu Dhabi, and the other one lives up the street. <laughs> and the one from Abu Dhabi is visiting right now, so I'm in this beautiful mother joy right now, being around my, my daughters, or my daughters, as we say. <laughs> There's nothing like daughters, I'm telling you. I mean, it's just amazing. Well, welcome once again. I'm so happy to have you on the air, to, especially to talk about this wonderful book. I mean, I went out and bought the book, and I'll tell you something, it was well worth the investment just to read the words that you've come up and some of the ideas that you have. It's just marvelous. I'm really looking forward to talking about that. But before You're talking we- about the, the- the pocket dictionary, right? Right, and I love it. I love it that the way you have it. It says here, "Mama's, Mama's first pocket chick dictionary." I just, I just, it's a wonderful. But before we start that, let's talk about your early uh, beginnings. Who was your inspiration and motivation, and and what was your first women's performance, and what were some of the early challenges and obstacles you're performing, and where did you get that wonderful? I mean, I remember you did a, a presentation for the National Organizations for Women. I remember we sponsored, and I remember just sitting there in awe, just thinking of, of the words and the language that you came up with and the ideas and the ability to make us all laugh and all the characters. So, so talk about that. Talk about your early beginnings. Well, <clears throat> I grew up in New York, and I was in a Jewish family, and... We always had a real connection to comedy, even though, you know, we had our trials and tribulations and crazy times. There was always laughter, um, and I was greatly influenced in the early 60s by uh, Lucille Ball. She was my, my hero, my hero, my uh, absolute inspiration, and then that went into Laughing and Lily Tomlin and Carol Burnett and all of those great comedians. And what they had in common was, besides being women, was that they didn't mind looking silly or ridiculous, <laughs> you know, taking it to the extreme. And I got an early lesson in what comedy is. And it kind of saved my life, because life can be very serious, as many people know. Um, growing up, everyone has a sad family history, um, and so I kind of hung on to comedy and the shows of the early 60s as a lifeboat, and um, <clears throat> I came up, and like I said, in, in uh, New York, in the Catskills, a lot of comedy out there, and when I graduated high school, I moved to California. I just needed sunset, not sunrise. I needed Sunset Boulevard. You know, it's so funny, Sherry, because you moved to California. When I was 18, I moved to New York. Oh, really? We switched? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting, you know, when you talk about the family dynamics, you know. Mm-hmm. So oh. go ahead, continue, my friend. Yeah, um, and when I got to college, San Diego State, 
I discovered improvisation through a course in English literature called Drama in 3D. And that was my first taste of play. Like, I could do it. I could be comedic. I could do accents. I could do ages. I could switch genders. I could walk in others' shoes. And I fell in love with uh, playing improvisation. It wasn't a, <clears throat> the you know traditional script. It was make it up as you go. And something about that sparked something deep inside me. I'd always been a writer. I started writing poetry and journaling when I was in fourth grade. Um, but the the idea of playing with somebody else and pretending, actually, um, that we were some other people, just thrilled me. So I just dropped out of college <laughs> and thought, this is my life. I'm going to do improvisation. And this was in the 80s, like 1979, 80, 81, and improvisation was very popular back then in San Diego. And I was hanging around with the likes of Whoopi Goldberg, Kathy and Jimmy, Mo Gaffney, and a few of us, um, Robin Samuels and Maggie Gillette, and Mo and I created a feminist comedy troupe called Hot Flashes. Oh, hot flash. oh my God, that is great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it really works with improvisation because you, you get a suggestion and you, and you make something up. And so we were musical and we had some rehearsed improvisation and, and then we played all kinds of fun games. And that's where I got my early training and heavy dose of the feminine and I didn't really enjoy doing improvisation with uh, men because they always reduced us to a secretary or a wife or a daughter. You know, there was that that conflict or that, I don't know, patriarchal attitude. And so that's why we, we formed our, our women's group. Let me ask you something. Where where did you, you know, when I saw, when I saw, oh, my God, is in all the characters you play. I mean, it just it's just amazing. How, where did you get your confidence? I mean, all of a sudden, just to go on the stage and just to create all these characters and just go through them the way you do so smoothly and so funny. Well, you know, I really wasn't confident. I was just was kind of driven, <laughs> and I ha- I have a gift, so that was given, and I I had a will, and my will were pretty much controlled my life um i i signed up for it like i said i'm in this group and i'm gonna go perform but really elaine i was very frightened i was scared every time i had to go and do a show i'd spend the day like in panic and because i didn't trust that i had all this talent and ability but for me what i've learned now that i'm 62 is no matter how afraid you are Courage shows up when you're right, when when it's right there. When it was time for me to step out on that stage, I had the courage to do it, not the confidence. And I was always surprised when people were applauding and laughing. <laughs> I was like, hmm. Um, well, they had know, a better time. Well, you know, you said something. You said you didn't have the confidence, but you had the courage. 
I yeah. mean, that that is a very interesting line to me, you know, because I, I feel the same way, you know, every before I, I obsess before I'm going on the radios, you're going to be good, as uh, you know, on and on. And then once you're on, it's like something takes over you. And that's your courage, you know, your confidence, you know, you have to kind of build up. It, it does take courage to to perform and, and to do that. Well, you know, one of the things that one of the things that when I saw, especially your play, Oh, My God, is you have this character, Ma. Can you talk a little bit about her? And we are going to talk about your book. And I noticed that, you know, when I was reading it uh, last night, believe it or not, last night was the first night I said, oh, my goodness, Mama's first pocket book. So talk about Ma and talk about that character and how that relates, how that brought this book to start happening. Well, all through my work, Elaine, these 40 years of theater, uh, there is a through line, and that is the feminine, the mother. Every character that I played, male and female, has had some relationship or focus on the mother. Like, even when I played my father, he was a, he, his whole monologue was about his daughter. And when I played Miguel, who is the channel for Ma... He was in service to the feminine, and he had to learn how to treat women. That was his whole journey, you know, from being unconscious and, um, you know, not very respectful towards women. And that was his initiation to become the channel for the great return of the mother, the earth mother, the creator of the universe. Because when I was in labor with my second daughter, Lucy, in Kamshi on the front porch on the deck, it, it struck me that uh, that life comes from the feminine, the mother. You know, it seems like it would be obvious, but <laughs> um, and how every major religion, from the Muslim to the Jewish to the Christian, all have the father. It's all God the Father, and it, it just kind of hit me like lightning bolt between contractions that there was no representation, at least in those religions, of the Great Mother. And especially in my my Jewish faith. So I... In in the Jewish faith, I mean, the one thing that I found out that I was so interesting to me, that there's actually a prayer that says, thank God I wasn't born a woman. And, and, you know, it's interesting that you say that, that all of a sudden it struck you and you see I, the father, the thing that really struck me was was all of a sudden I'm hearing that women came out of a rib of a man. I go, what? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. And it's also so widely accepted. It's, this is like written in the Bible. This is the word of God, so to speak. And so... I felt offended, and I decided to um, fix it and create this great Jewish mother of us all, Ma, who is actually embodied in the earth. And so after a nap, 5,000 years, what could happen? I told your father, watch the kids. (laughs) She wakes up, and she reads his book. Oh, nice book. Mm -hmm. Hated the ending. Your father, oh, yeah, he wrote this book. And uh, does he mention my name? No, I wasn't there. Yeah, you came from a rib. <laughs> and uh, that's where, you know, she starts to unravel and uh, 
challenge that original story. Well, you know, it's that, in fact, it was the mother who gave birth to the universe through mm-hmm. her mother, and it all started with the egg. Well, you know what's so interesting? I remember, like it was yesterday, when I saw the play that you were in, and that that whole that whole sequence about that issue, you know, about women and all that. I I remember thinking to myself, "Oh my God, I'm not alone. <laughs> I'm not the only one that thinks this." So thank you so much. I mean, you brought forward so much uh, information. So then I imagine that that part of you, which is Ma, was your inspiration for this new project that you worked on with uh, Kim. Uh, Trip Smith. Yeah, it's sort of a natural continuation of the feminine. Like, just in this conversation that we're having now, there's been so many words spoken that have men embedded in them. You know, when I said I have daughters, I, I it's very hard for me to say daughter anymore because we changed it to daughter. We uh, we filled up the language in the dictionary with the feminine, with the elements, with with a representation of her, because the English language is so it's empty of the feminine. Every time there's a there's a word that has to do with women, they have a man in it somewhere. Well, woman. Yeah, that's one. Her is he with an R. She is he with an S. There he is. It's endless, isn't it, Sherry? Well, Sherry, hold on to those thoughts because we're going to take a musical break right now. And then when we come back, we're going to do a little more in-depth discussion about this marvelous, marvelous book. And the song I'm going to be playing, it's very interesting at the the beginning of when you talked about who your mentors were. You talked about Lucille Ball. You talked about... um, all the great comedian women. I mean, I mean, I, I just think there's my head is swirling thinking about uh, Carol Burnett, you know, uh, Goldie Hawn, you know, with uh, Laughing, and all these, all these different women that came forward, and we are standing on the shoulders of them. And so I thought I would play the song "Standing on the Shoulders" by Earth Mama, and just to let my listeners know, this song "Earth uh, Standing on the Shoulders" is one of the major songs that was uh, that was chosen for the centennial for the hundred year anniversary uh in 2020 and it's sung by earth mama and when we return i will continue with my conversation with a uh, sherry glazer she's the author and star of several epic one women plays and founder of the peace activism group uh, uh breast uh Breast Not Bombs, and has been a champion of women's rights for decades. And we're going to talk about her wonderful book, Mama's First Pocket Chictionary, uh, Taking the Dick Out of Dictionary, A Bridge to the Feminine Paradigm. Just love it. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's play uh, Standing on the Shoulders. I am standing on the shoulders of the ones who came before me I am stronger for their courage I am wiser for their words I am lifted by their longing for a fair and brighter future I am grateful for their vision for their toiling on this earth 
are standing on the shoulders of the ones who came before us. They are saints and they are humans. They are angels, they are friends. We can see beyond the struggles and the troubles and the challenge when we know that by our efforts things will be better in the end. ones who came before me. I am honored by their passion for our liberty. I will stand a little taller. I will work a little longer. And my shoulders will be there to hold the ones who follow me. shoulders. I keep thinking of what Sherry said about confidence and courage. It's just amazing. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz, and joining me on the phone is Sherry Glazier, and we are continuing our conversation about her recent book, Mama's First Pocket Book Chictionary. Are you there, Sherry? I'm right here. Oh, I mean, this is just wonderful. I just love that song. You know, I'm thinking about I feel like I'm standing on your shoulders on some on so many levels. Well, before before we begin, I want to read the dedication to the book, if that's okay with you, because to me it just it, it just oops, it just it just it just rang it just rang just just such a beautiful thing. Here we go. We dedicate this book to women, and you spell it W I M I N throughout history who carry the stories of their. Ancestors, I love that. <laughs> Honoring the divine feminine in all life. And to all our daughters and sons, and you spell sons, S-U-N-S, that they may find ways to spell out the future. It's just absolutely beautiful. When I read that, that I, just, I just had to read it. And I just love the title, Mama's First Pocketbook Dictionary. Explain the word, and what was your motivation for writing this book? I mean, how did you come up with this? I know that you wrote it with Kim Tripp Smith, uh, who is another talented woman. I mean, she's just amazing. She was on Women's Space. It's just, just I can hear her voice now when I'm talking to you. So, talk a little bit about what motivated you, and what was what was the whole thing behind the book? Well, 
Kimmy and I found ourselves living together in 2018 uh, because of circumstances that kind of sent me to her. I guess the the spirits had something in mind. And we're both very sensitive to language, she being an amazing songwriter and also author, and me being, you know, a a one-woman show writer, book writer, all that. We're very... We're very articulate, and we kept noticing in our conversations that, uh, like I said earlier, that the man, the patriarchy, the dominant language is him, you know, from the most basic of words of our existence, from women to human to manufacture to environment, you know, he's in every word, and it's subtle, and yet we utter these words, you know, there's 8 billion people, well, let's say there's maybe a billion people or more in the English-speaking word, because that's the language we're talking about, and the words that come out of our mouths, like a spigot, like just pouring out zillions of words a day, continuously affirm by using these words, these spellings, that the patriarchy, that the male is dominant. In fact, that the feminine isn't even there. Words like, you know, when they call us miss, oh, miss, that means, miss means you're gone. <laughs> I never thought of that one. Miss means you're gone. I miss you. You're, you're, or miss, when you, so when you say miss, that means you miss. There's nothing there. Or misses, same thing. So we have no identity even when they're addressing us. As I said earlier, she is he and her is he. And menstruation, I mean, really, the arrogance there is just stunning to us. And any word like that has to do with our bodily function, um, menopause has, you know, it's just offensive. So we felt that it was time to convert these words, and I wrote a monologue called Introduction to Herstory 101. And on Super Bowl Sunday of 2020, just moments before the pandemic, we did a show at the Occidental Center for the Arts, and I introduced the concept to a a very willing crowd of people who missed the Super Bowl that day, and um, it was quite successful, and it awakened something in the audience, and as you said, rings a bell. It, this new spelling awakens the word and connects it to the person speaking, which is one of our goals, is that we have a relationship with what we're talking about. Well, one thing when you talk about menopause, that was there were two of my words that were that, that when I went through the whole book, there were two words that really struck to me. That was menopause, which was moon pause. Which menopause. I, I love that you took the men out, moon pause, and then realize real eyes. I mm-hmm. I just thought you know when I was as I was reading the definitions, you know. I, I really became inspired by it. Was, it was interesting to, to look at the play on words and, and what you were doing. What, what were some of your favorite words that you came up with that you in the book? Well, her is a big one for me because we use that so generally and liberally. 
her, we changed to it's what we call audiophile, what it sounds like. And it sounds like a U. H-U-R. Her. Now say her with a U. Her. Her. See how deep that goes? Like her. It's not like her. It's her. It's her. When you say it with a U, you say her. And that's a real vibratory sound in the body. And the U is a very, one of the most feminine letters of all, because it's that open, receptive letter. And it's also putting you in it, which is also a connotation that we love. So her becomes a deep connection to the feminine. And instead of saying hero, you know, many of us have said shiro, which was never satisfying to me. But now we say hero. She is my hero. Oh, hero. Oh, for heaven's yeah. sake, that is so clever. Yes, you're my hero. I love it. You're my it. hero. And she, also, we fixed that with uh, S-H-E. We changed the E to an I, which is putting I in it. So S-H-I, she is my hero. And you get a whole different experience with the words that you're saying. You actually feel the resonance of the word. And the first spell in the book is abracadabra. And that means I create as I speak. So when your vibration matches your words and you're connected to them, you're actually creating matter and connection. Well, well, I'm thinking of the word you said, she. Instead of S-H-E, you have S-H-I, which is like chi. She, chi, yeah, like the chi, like the energy, and that the energy right. of birth exactly. that come, comes through women. I mean, I never really thought mm-hmm. of it that way. No, we don't think about what we're saying anymore and or for a long long time and now we are uh, in this book awakening the language to connect women who are being so you know extremely prosecuted and persecuted and oppressed right now losing bodily sovereignty you know and in so many ways being abused and i think this is the timing on this is is really essential to our well-being and our future paradigm, what we say, a bridge to the feminine paradigm. Like, you cannot, we always talk about shifting the paradigm from the patriarchy, but to what? We haven't finished that equation. And now we need a language that's equipped to hold the feminine, to express the feminine, in order to go on as we watch the patriarchy fall and crumble and be done. Well, you know, that's it's very, very important that women begin to look at it. I mean, the idea, you know, now I have a different perspective now in reading the book, to be honest with you. At first, when I was reading it, I was reading it as more as the, that you were trying to be, you were, you were writing something trying to be funny. Okay, that, that's how I, per, I perceived it. And suddenly, as I start getting into the words, I start changing a little bit. But now in talking to you, I see that what this is, is really an in-depth study into, as women, how we have been put at second position and how the language has actually kept us down. Yeah. Kept us completely out. Excluded. Not here. Miss. Oh, miss. So we changed miss to miss. Oh, miss. 
<laughs> and the, the great thing is about this revolutionary book is it's funny. It does make you laugh, but it's very important to read the introduction and how the Chictionary works, why Chictionary, how it works. We have all that in the introduction and our motivation and how we got together to do it. And it's it's uh, structured like a dictionary, so you, you'll recognize the form. We wanted to make a form that was um, familiar and allow people, that's the door into this new ancient way of thinking and spelling. And spelling comes from the witches. That's what they did. They cast spells. And in their extermination, when, you know, they were destroyed by patriarchy, the word spell was stolen to spell words, not cast spells. So they've used, uh, it's genius, really, that whoever came up with this method here to spell words to keep us disconnected from them, but still able to, to write and to communicate. So when you spell a word, you're actually casting a spell. And when you write a sentence, you're committing to the sentence. It's like we don't have a clue that we are the power of words. And now we want to introduce you to your power. Well, you know, it's interesting because in the Bible it says at first there was the word. I mean, come on, the word is so important. And that, exactly, exactly. And the power is in the word. And another favorite um, conversion of mine are all the X words, like exactly and experience and example. The EX words, you can rewrite them to how they sound, which is eggs, E-G-G-S. So you say exactly, right? You don't say exactly. You don't say excited. You say excited, eggs. It's already in there. So when we reclaim the eggs in all of those words, you ring a bell. Wow. I mean, what? It, it, it's fascinating. You know, it's fascinating. Well, you know, we could go on and on, and I'm looking at the clock, and it's running out, and I, I really want to find out from, from your heart, what is, it when you, what is it that you hope that women get out of when they read this? And by the way, you, you can get the book on Amazon, I believe. I believe that's... No, no. It's on Barnes and Noble. Oh, Barnes and Noble. That's where I got it. It's on Barnes, Barnes and Noble. Noble. Or go to pocketchictionary.com, www.pocketchictionary.com, and that'll introduce you to the book, and, and you can read reviews, and then you, there's a buy button there. But it is for sale at Barnes and Noble. Okay, that's good. So what, what do you hope people walk away? I mean, what, what do you hope? I'm, I'm rereading it. I'm going to reread it and start looking at it a little bit different after this conversation. What do you hope, use me for example, what do you hope I walk away with? I hope you walk away with a sense of power and presence and your feminine nature that you realize that underneath all of this chaos and destruction, the feminine is waiting and, and is our total foundation for being alive. And that when you connect with what you're saying, you actually have power and um, 
a resonance that keeps you strong and visible and sort of, you know, a leader into the next paradigm. We have to, there's no stopping what's happening now. The momentum of the patriarchy falling and destroying everything, we can't stop it, but we can get ready. So I want this to be, a, a, to prepare you for the coming new paradigm, which is the feminine. Well, it's really interesting when you talk about the the new paradigm. I, I went and saw hair, and after it was all over, I took to Ken. I says, Ken, nothing has really changed. Nothing has really changed. And then I had to do a presentation. And while I was doing the presentation, somebody yelled out, Elaine, what's the answer? And I start singing when the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars. And suddenly what I realized, what I was really saying, is the paradigm is changing. And because it's changing, that's why they're trying to take, they're trying to pull us backwards, and we're not going to go backwards. We want to continue to move forward. And that's where the new struggle is, and that's going to be the thing, I think, that really opens up the new paradigm to say, hey, we're not going backwards. We're not taking this anymore. So is there anything else that you would like to add about the book? Because one of the things that I really want to get into a little bit is to talk a little bit about your tarot reading. Is there anything else that you would like to talk to people about or to share about this particular thing that you have been involved with? Well, we talked about spelling, and the dictionary is respelling words, and it's a lot easier for children to spell the words that we're offering. I think part of why kids are, fail at school and struggle so much is because the way things are spelled. And it's so easy to fail a spelling test because, you know, why is there an he in heart? Why do you spell heart, H-E-A-R-T, when it's so simply H-A-R-T? See, we give kids access also. And I think with the new breed of children coming in, the fluid gender children, they're open-minded, they're so much more inclusive. If we give them an open language, a fluid language where they're part of it, we're going to see a, a, a quantum leap. Amazing thought, Cherry. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Well, we're at about the last part of our segment, and one of the things that I thought, because you're a tarot reader, that maybe you would like to, this is, this month, August, is when we celebrate 102nd year since we got the vote, and we're into a lot of struggles. And I thought maybe if you pulled a tarot card and, and maybe gave us a little inspiration, it might help. Okay. So I'm working with the Morgan Greer deck, which is elemental and quite beautiful, and I want you, Elaine, I'm going to run my hands along the side of the deck, and I want you to say, the truth is, and then say, cut. And I'll cut when you say it. So relax and say, the truth is, and tell me to cut, and that will be our, our card. The truth is. Mm-hmm. And tell cut. me to cut. We've got the queen of rods. Oh, boy. Really? <laughs> that's a fighter. Of, first of all, that's the Leo. It's such a Leo card, <laughs> and that's where we are in August. And the Queen of Rods is standing in a garden, and she's got this huge sunflower and a crown, and she's wearing golden, a golden robe and a golden sky, and she's 
got a, a, a staff or a rod or her wand. And what this says is that this is energy. The wands are the cards of spirit and fire and movement and and the queen is the one who has the authority to speak and to share and to guide and to lead. And so we have women, the feminine, because men have the feminine too, rising up as queens. You know, no longer are, will we be slaves or will we be possessions or will we be objects of any kind. We are rising to be the queen of our world. And we have this beautiful uh, sunflower here, which to me speaks to Ukraine and bearing witness to what's happening and being responsive or respondable, being able to respond in the ways of the feminine. Sherry, you, mm-hmm. we are just running out of time. Yeah, well, I just think everybody, everybody's got to be, when you ask for something, everybody say, yes, queen. Yes, Queen. Thank you. And let's go. Well, thank you, Queen Cherry. I love you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for being on Women's Spaces, and I want to thank you for writing this wonderful book. Anyway, for my listeners out there, this is Elaine B. Holt. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. I want to thank Sherry Glazer, co-author of the book, Mama's First Pocket Chictionary. Uh, she's a singer-songwriter, and she wrote the book with a dear, dear friend, another songwriter, Kim Tripp Smith. Thank you for listening. Look Look forward to being with you the next time. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, August 1st, 2022.